start this off right. Okay. It looks like I peaked my audio doing that, but hopefully uh, it'll come across well. Um, that's the first Coke of the of the year for us. <laughs> Cracking open a cold one with the Sad Boys. Welcome once again to the Sad Boys Book Club. I'm Daniel. I am Dusty. Caliban's War, the first the first book we will be covering for season two. Um, opening thoughts, pretty positive. I I'm enjoying this book so far. That's a shocker. Well, shocker I think is a little hard. I mean, I I think I came off somewhat harsh on on our wrap up episode, but I mean I did put it in the B tier. Yeah, but you didn't put it in the S tier. <laughs> yeah, there's there's I I there were parts of it that I I was not as like fond of, but I think on the whole it's pretty good. But here to four. I want to say Caliban's War. I'm, I think, on a page-to-page basis. I mean, obviously, uh, nothing really big and exciting has happened yet. Um, I mean, there's some some pretty good moments, but, but uh, you know, I gotta say, I'm really engaged. I think we can get into this more later. But I, one of the things I like uh, this time around is I, I like the uh, maybe more expanded uh, POV that they 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 gave this, and maybe the I like the POV characters a little more. Um, even including Holden, who uh, I was not as fond of last ep- uh, la- not last episode, last uh, on the last book, but uh, liking him, finding I like him more this time around. Yeah, um, by my count so far, we have four POV characters in this one compared to um, uh, two. Well, I mean, I'm well. If no, we there wanted... were four actually by the end of it. Well, are are you counting like are you counting Julie and Fred in the prologue and epilogue? Yes. I, I mean, I wasn't, but if you want to do that, then fine. In that case, I'll say so far five because of May in the prologue for Caliban's War. But the the, the, the actual story being told was just Holden and Miller in um, Leviathan Wakes. And so far, and I'm assuming it's going to stay this way, we got four POV characters in Caliban's War in the in the bulk of the, the main story, not the prologue and epilogue. Mm-hmm. One of them, believe it or not, is Holden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I I was expecting him to come back, but um, I, I I think this iteration of him is a little more interesting, a little more nuanced, and I also just just I guess by virtue of his new role, I'm just I'm finding him more likable. Not that he was not the captain before, but like in his new role as like a, a member of the OPA rather than just kind of a a guy that's out there kind of freelancing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, to get a little bit ahead of myself here, um, he's kind of he's kind of having a bit of a, um, I guess I don't know how to put this other than a character degression. Um, but not like in a like like they they made they're writing the character poorly, but like he had a bit of a he had a really good character arc I felt like in Leviathan Wakes, and we're seeing here at the start of Caliban's War, which I think is approximately it starts I think about eighteen months after. Leviathan Wakes is I think is what it said in the first Holden chapter though time has already been moving as as soon as this book mm-hmm. has started um but uh we we've seemed to have have had a bit of um uh, I, I rather I, I should say a regression not not a degression a regression there we go words are hard um 
because uh, I, something that's kind of happened in this first section here is Naomi has made more than one comment suggesting that he's acting more and more like Miller, and that's not something she's fond of. And yeah, so we're having a bit of a regression for Holden so far at the start of this, which I I I think is the most interesting thing that they could have done with him so far. Yeah, I mean he's a lot less annoying. So I I I, I gotta say, um, while an aversion to murder is a very good and proper um, behavior in real life. <laughs> in in like an action actiony sci-fi, it can come off as really weird. Um, particularly when he himself has done a lot of killing as part of his life. So it it, it just that that kind of graded on me. Not that I'm like I don't know. I just I think it's it's a little the the fact that he is less. Um, I guess sanctimonious about that. While, as you point out, is a clear regression in a in a in a very real sense. It makes for a more smooth read. You know what I mean? Yeah, it makes him a little more gray. Yeah. Well, that's not really what I meant, but yeah, <laughs> that is also true. But yeah, so far um, I'm really enjoying the character writing in this. Um, I, I think it was one of those stronger points in Leviathan Wakes, and I think so far it has just been just as good, if not better. Um, our four major um, perspective characters so far um, are Holden, uh, and then we have three new characters introduced in this book. We have a um, a Martian. Is she a Marine? I think she's yes. a Martian Marine by the name of uh, Bobby Draper. Um, we have. Wasn't a... that the name of one of the kids in Mad Men? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's Don's son. His his name Bobby, or hmm. yeah. So interesting. Um, which it was on at this time of uh, when the, when this book was being written. It was it was on TV. Yeah, I think it would have been in season either season six or the first half of season seven. Uh. Yeah, um, so she's she's the person we start the book with after the prologue. Um, the other two characters we have are um, a colonist in Ganymede, uh, a biologist named uh, Prax. <laughs> and the last character is, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, forgive me. Uh, she is a... Uh, is she a politician or is she just a high-ranking military official on Earth? Uh, neither. Neither. She's oh, she's an ambassador. She's like right? a bureau. She's a what? Like, is she an ambassador? Yeah, that's that's closer to it. She she works for the UN as sort of in sort of their uh their diplomatic corps. Yeah, and it's uh, uh, Avasarala. Yeah, that's more or less how I've been mentally pronouncing it. Yeah, and she has been um probably my favorite new character so far. And yes, it is because she's responsible for probably 90% of the fucks that we've read in the book so far. Uh, yeah, she, and they're, they're kind of doing something there that's very, um, I don't know, I think their, their, their idea was they were creating like this, uh, she's like a female diplomat, but she's, she's tough kind of situation that, that they're, they're trying to, to do, um. Which isn't, which is, of course, isn't necessarily bad. But I think that's that's their their kind of 
they're kind of what they're signaling there is is like this idea of like a, it's it's intended as like a, a an empowering kind of feminist thing i think yeah um no I, I like her character um another speaking just to kind of keep the, the character train rolling um i really like the new characters that they've introduced i think prax is probably relatively the weakest but i like i like the story that they're kind of developing with him so far um well he's he's kind of tough in a tough spot because he doesn't really have a lot of moments for his character to shine because he's basically like um uh he's he's what i can't think of his name the character in lost who's always screaming about Wolf. Oh, michael michael he, yeah that's basically his character in this he's he's in a very desperate spot trying to find his daughter and he's you know it's it, it makes that's that makes it difficult for him to be very um I don't know. To show a lot of different facets of himself because he's got a very uh, overwhelming and urgent goal. Yeah. Which, you know, speaking of Michael from Lost, man, uh, talk about wasting an incredible actor on such a terrible character. Yeah. Yeah, he he's a great he's a great actor. Um <laughs> kind of a tough one of the one of the few I would say f- kind of bad roles in Lost. Yeah. I don't know if you ever watched um Oz, but uh, Harold Perrineau is also in... Did I say Lost? Or did I say Oz? You said Oz. Okay. Uh, Harold Perrineau is also in Oz, and he is phenomenal in it. He he serves as uh, the narrator uh, of the of the show in a, in, a, in a form. Like, you know, he it, he always has his bits where he's kind of narrating to the audience the kind of context of the, of the episode and whatnot, but he's also a character in there as well. Um... Yeah, he's he's phenomenal in in Oz, and it just once again, it's just kind of if I, I love Lost. Lost is one of my favorite shows, but if if there's a, a criticism, I will just level without any hesitation. They wasted a phenomenal actor with a terrible character. I hate Michael. He's one of the worst characters in the show, and it sucks because Harold Perrineau is one of the better actors that was in that show, and he got completely wasted. Yeah. But this isn't the Lost podcast. Uh, uh, yeah, um, I, I think we're gonna get more with Prax coming into the next uh, the next part uh, next week. I think we're we're at the cusp of what could be some really good story beats for him. Uh, now that he mm-hmm. has uh, to kind of jump ahead again, met up with the crew, and is doing a uh, a little raid of sorts, and we'll we'll get to that when it comes. But man, that the ending the ending bit for Holden so far uh, was just. I, I loved it. That last Holden chapter was so good, and I was like, "Yeah, here we go. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> Miller and Holden on Eros vibes all over again, and I love it." Yeah, this this book really kind of hit the ground running. Um, but yeah, uh, to uh, to kind of like really quickly wrap up the characters, um, uh, we already kind of talked about Holden a little bit. Uh, I just want to kind of really quickly talk about um, the Rosanante crew. Uh, specifically Naomi and Amos before we kind of dive deeper into the book itself let's just kind of wrap up the character talk here I can't really say mm-hmm. much about Alex because he hasn't really been in the book yet he's only had he's a couple of lines he's basically been in one spot when he was like yep we're about to land y'all something it was literally something like that so they yeah. could once again talk about how Mars at least part of Mars was settled by Texans and Indians and I think people some people from China yeah it was, it was something like that but it's again kind of disappointing because I think he has like 
I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're only getting him in spurts. But I, I remember in the first book kind of coming away feeling like I wanted to hear more from him because he was he was usually pretty a pretty good and interesting voice um, with a very interesting background, I think. Um, so I, I would have liked to have him more in this book. Maybe he'll be in later, but it, it kind of feels like he is the odd man out of the, the Rocinante crew. Yeah. I don't really have uh, anything really kind of new to say about Naomi if you if you listen to any of our Leviathan Wakes uh, episodes and heard us talking about Naomi you'd know that she was my second favorite character right behind Miller uh, I thought she was a phenomenal character in the book uh, you know great writing for her really enjoyed her scenes you know yada yada um, so I don't really have too much more to add because she's just basically the same character there's nothing really new going on with her um so I, I don't really have much to, to, to add there with her, but I do really enjoy um, more of Naomi. More of Naomi is a good thing. She's still written just as well as she was in Leviathan Wakes. I don't really have anything to add. She's just she's still a great character. Yeah. Uh, Amos, I feel, has gotten the biggest kind of uh, bump up in um, character writing so far. Uh, and we've only had just, I think, about four chapters with Holden as the perspective character, so only about four chapters to get a bit of... Um, uh, time with Amos, and I do feel like he's had one of the biggest jumps. I, I I feel like I remember him in Leviathan Wakes just kind of being there, someone that I was like, I like him, he's cool, but he also just kind of feels ancillary to uh, Miller, Holden, and Naomi in terms of the Rosinante crew. So he was kind of similar. He was broadly similar to how he's written in this book, but he he didn't really have much agency. He was like. It was a little bit more of like, yes, boss, let's do it, boss, kind of situation. Whereas here, you kind of see a little bit more, at least until the end, when he, when when he talked to um, Miller that one time. Though you could kind of get a little bit more perspective on him and his uh, mannerism. Yeah. Um, but but uh, I I think this one this one does a lot better job of fleshing him out, and you know you can kind of. I mean, the things that were sort of maybe passive, you know, you could glean very passively. They kind of are making more explicit in this version. Um, sometimes they're, like, literally saying things like, you know, like, he he is like, oh, I've been in 11 gunfights in my life. Uh, unless you count the one time I got into a gunfight with a guy and then he got back up and then started shooting again as 12. So, you know, things like that that kind of give like a sense of him having a, a previous life before he, he signed on with um, well, originally with, on, with the water hauling crew and then with the Rocinante. But like that, that gives him like a, a, a grittiness. Whereas before he was like, Almost like you know, like I was saying with the yes boss like a 1930s movie uh, goon type vibe. He's now uh, create you know having a little bit more of a uh, of a voice. I guess this is one of the best ways to put it. Yeah, and we we get some really interesting and um, potentially great character building moments from him. Uh, that kind of that are kind of us kind of peeling back the the layer of who is Amos and what kind of person is he and. What, what about his past uh, has led him to be the person that he is. So we're, we're getting some cool little things that will hopefully build his character up and make him into a very exciting and fun character to read as the story goes on. I know 
um, I have a friend who's read all the books and watched this show uh, entirely, and his favorite character is Amos. He said, by far, it's Amos, 100%. He's my favorite character, and it's not even close. Uh, so I'm starting to see, I think, why he feels that way about him. I, I think we're starting to see a little bit of why Amos can be a fan favorite character for a lot of people. So I'm excited about that because I thought he was a fun, cool, you know, kind of just, you know, bodyguard type character in the first book that had a little bit of nuance that we didn't really get to see, but it's nice to see him building more and more as a character in this one. So I really appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Um, any other characters you really want to talk about before kind of getting into it? I mean, I'm sure there are some we'll mention as we go along, but I think those are the main ones we need to hit. Alright. Um, so yeah, um, I guess let's just kind of jump into the plot a little bit. Uh, kind of like I um, like I mentioned uh, earlier, it takes place about 18 months after the end of uh, Leviathan Wakes, and the world is kind of in a bit of a not the world the 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 solar system is in a bit of a uh precarious position uh there are still a lot of tensions growing between mars and earth uh the ganymede colony the ganymede station uh which is uh, outside of jupiter i think on jupiter one of jupiter's moons uh is a bit of a staging ground for a standoff between mars and earth they're kind of just staring at each other in a bit of a, a stalemate where it's like kind of waiting it's it's kind of like it's kind of like it's a cold it's a cold war is basically what it is um mm-hmm. meanwhile the opa and the belt uh all of the belter colonies are a, a kind of wild card third party that's just kind of there and not really causing trouble but just they exist and they're like hey we're here and you know what we're ready to fuck shit up if we need to so yeah <laughs> wild card bitches you know all that fun stuff uh, that's kind of the state of the universe. Uh, Venus is uh, not great. Uh, people are staring at it from all three sides of the um, the aisle here, uh, staring at Venus and watching all of the shit going down that uh, is from the remains of Eros Station after it crashed into Venus at the end of Leviathan Wakes. And the protomolecule is doing things. We don't know what it's doing, but it's doing something on Venus. And uh, that's potentially terrifying. I don't. We don't know. But that's that's one of the uh, most realistic parts of this book is like this idea of something terrible happening and then everybody just kind of being like, hmm, well, that's really bad. I guess we better keep an eye on it, but not really doing anything. Yeah, there's there's (laughs) some great bits where um, uh, Avasarala is talking to somebody about asking for reports on what's going on on Venus and it's basically just like this is what hap- this is what's happening on Venus. Okay, what does that mean? Don't really know, but it's happening. Okay, cool. I guess keep an eye on it and let me know what's going on. <laughs> so it's just yeah, they, it's just a fun this, little mystery. This is probably if I'm going to make a little bit of a prediction here, something that in the long term uh as- one long term aspect of this series I would think is going to be Eventually, uh, Earth and Mars, um, and probably the OPA, finally putting aside their differences and you know, banding together to handle whatever that situation is. But I just, I, I, it's, I, I feel like that's what I'm mentally, you know, it's, 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 it's like in in many movies and and books and stuff. Like you're, you're, you're basically mentally pleading 
with the character to do to take or not take some action and i'm just like guys guys all of the silly stuff can can wait can we just focus on the the potentially like species altering situation that we got cooking at venus can we just can we just put 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 things aside and just take care of this real quick you know yeah you're just kind of waiting for the reaper invasion yeah that's so that's the but you know as as from a a mechanical standpoint from the fiction it, it is nice because it adds a sort of sense of ambient dread um and anticipation to the writing it's yeah. a Chekhov's proto proto molecule yeah but that's kind of the state of the of the universe as it stands as we enter the book um we have almost right off the bat really right off the bat in the prologue and chapter one uh we have what i'm going to refer to as this book's canterbury incident um at least that's how i understand it so far because if you remember in leviathan wakes the 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 um the major um watershed moment in that book was the canterbury being blown up by what we end up learning to be um protogen operatives working uh under the guise of it being a Martian ship destroying a... They're doing a false flag, brother. Exactly. So uh, it was the Canterbury being destroyed, and that was Holden's ship that he was a part of before. Uh, Holden, Naomi, Amos, and Alex, and then the medic guy who's, whose name I've forgotten, who got his head promptly blown off at the on the Doniger. Um, but yeah, the... the Poor our, guy. Yeah, our, got his head blown off, and got, they got forgotten immediately. Yeah, uh, you know, it happens. Um... So yeah, this is our equivalent, I think. I, I think our equivalent Canterbury incident. So we're on Ganymede. Like I said, this is a major kind of colony, a station on on a moon of Saturn, or a moon of Jupiter. And uh, the prologue is following this little girl named May, and she's taken from her daycare by her doctor and a woman who's claiming to be her mother. She knows she's not her mother, but the doctor tickles her. So that she can't she can't object to it to her teacher. Um, basically, she's being kidnapped by and it's by someone who she knows and trusts with her doctor, and she's taking it taken down into the tunnels into this lab, and the doctor's like, "I'll be back, you know, I'm gonna it's okay, we just gotta you know do a few things, so yada yada." And then the woman's just like, "You want to see a monster?" And takes her and she sees this 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 creature. Ah, jump scare. Uh, that's the prologue. It, you know, I'm going, I'm going kind of quick because it's. I'm just kind of trying to set up the, uh, the, 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 the premise here, the, the, the real kind of inciting incident. So the, our first chapter follows Bobby Draper, the, the Marine from Mars, and we kind of get an establishment of kind of the political uh, Cold War that's happening between uh, the U.S. not not the U.S. the U.N. and Mars, and uh, we have this this moment where. Uh, we think that at first it's the UN rushing to attack the base that the Martians are on, but uh, something that Bobby realizes as she's scoping in to watch the the seven people running towards her is it's actually six UN Marines running from something that's chasing them, and that something is a monster. It is the monster. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's the monster from the prologue that May saw, and it's just murdering everybody. It's it's it doesn't. It, it just all the bullets just go right through it and it just reforms it's almost kind of like a liquid um i'm thinking that this has something to do with the proto molecule and there's a couple reasons why and the book is not really being subtle about trying to link the two especially with officerola um 
and basically it's it's a big fight uh, the the monster just destroys everybody uh it's about to kill bobby but something happens that causes it to to spontaneously combust and it, it knocks her away and knocks her out and um what the general military infrastructure sees is that there all the comms have been jammed because there was all all there was basically a for lack of a better term an emp that um was going on or not an emp but just a massive jammer signal that was going out uh so that nobody could contact anybody to let them know what was going on and so what the military powers that be see are um just deaths going on both sides shots being fired so they're just like oh it's starting and so they start firing on each other and now we have the war kind of starting between it's now going to a, into a hot war and we have a couple days of, of firing between both sides uh, one of the major things that happens is there are these giant mirror panels up in the uh, either in the atmosphere or in like low orbit or something uh, they're, I, maybe they're satellites. I don't remember exactly if it goes into detail as to what exactly they are. But they get destroyed by one of the sites and they crash down into Ganymede. And it's not a good thing, to say the least. And it, it causes some major damage. Uh, it, it ends up... It's like kind of one of the things that saves Bobby. She's like just outside of the blast radius of it, but enough to where she gets hit by the shockwave of it. and It, it doesn't really matter. It's just kind of, oh, she survived that. And that's also where we get introduced to Prax. Um, he's a botanist, and he is working on, um, what type of bean is he, is he cultivating? I can't remember. I don't remember either. It was, it was some sort of, um, wasn't it some kind of like soybean or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that's right. It was a soybean. He's a botanist, and he's trying to create some like really sustainable strain of soybean, and the, the mirrors are falling down to the, to the, the, the station's surface, and they're gonna land on his his um, his greenhouse, and he's forced to evacuate. And it's kind of this whole, you know, I I, 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 I this this work cost me my marriage, and now it's gonna just be flattened. Ah! So he just takes a sample. He he, take, he saves one singular plant, and he leaves with the this chick who comes to get him out of there as everything comes crashing down. It turns out he's May's father. Uh, so now his storyline at this point is basically hunting down, trying to find May. Because when he ends up getting to her um, her daycare, tra having to travel through the open war zone, uh, he learns that she's not there from her, her teacher. So that's kind of his story. I, I, I've jumped around a lot, but there's really not a lot of like major plot going on here with his first couple of chapters. It's ba The biggest thing to take away is he's a biologist. Um, his work's been kind of ruined. His marriage was destroyed. His, his daughter's been taken. He's looking for his daughter. Um, really great character writing, really great situational things happening in between. But that's just kind of the, the big through line here is he's looking for his daughter, who was the, the woman, not the, the woman, uh, the child that we were following, who the woman took to see the monster in the prologue. Um, and that's kind of just a good introductory for Prax, I think, unless you want to add something else to it. No, I think that covers it. Yeah, and that's just a good kind of start for Bobby as well. Um, Holden and the crew at this point also. Uh, we we kind of see them at this point and what they've been up to. They're basically... I don't want to say bounty hunters, because uh, I don't, I don't, that, that kind of implies a little bit of neutrality. But they are 100%... They're agents of the OPA, yeah. essentially. Yeah, they're with the OPA, and they go out and do missions for Fred 
They go out and uh, solve problems, capture pirates, destroy pirates, whatever it may be. And I really love this this opening bit where Holden is hailing the uh, the pirate ship that they are they have been chasing down, and he's basically just like, "Hey, um, I don't want to destroy you. Uh, it looks like your ship is basically uh, you trying to outrun us has caused your ship to stall out. Uh, you're basically a sitting duck. I can destroy you if I want. I would rather not. How about we just you know talk this out and i'll just go take you in and the guy's just like nah i'm good it's, it's a kid and he's like nah i'm good you know it's you know what are you what are you gonna do kill us and and then uh uh holden's like all right amos kill or no he's like hey alex kill them and he's like wait no no, no, no don't kill us okay we'll come peacefully uh, that was that was a fun little scene I, I enjoyed that little bit yeah and this is this is the beginning of i mean naomi doesn't comment it on comment on it at this point but this is the beginning of uh, this new Holden, who is a little bit more blasé about about uh, killing, and I think that's that's something that they're they're establishing here. And and as you say, that they that he mentions that he's done it before. He's like, look, we or or he mentions it after. I think when he's back when he's uh, reporting back about this incident, where he's like. Yeah, usually we have to destroy them, but this time they actually surrendered, something like that. Yeah, well, that's kind of the thing, though, is they have to destroy them. They don't really get the choice otherwise. It's like, all right, well, you know, it's either destroy them or they're going to destroy us. You don't really have a choice there, and that's that's not really... Well, I mean, I, d I don't wholly disagree, but I mean, in this case, I mean, the other ship was was disabled and was was not really able to, to do anything at, at that point. Yeah. But yeah, we, we're kind of coming into a little bit of a more jaded uh, Holden, which I do find interesting. But yeah, they they go back. They're 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 supposed to be taking this back to um, uh, Tycho Station to be you know tried and all that fun Jewish, uh, judicial bureaucratic nonsense. Um, somewhere down the line, Fred tells them about what's going on on Ganymede, and they ostensibly get rerouted to Ganymede. And they're gonna go down into into the station in disguise in a different ship, and uh, kind of see what's going on. They're they're disguised as a a ship that's uh, a relief ship that's bringing food and supplies onto the station. Um, and it, it's actually they actually do have supplies. It's not like it's a front or anything. It's the the, the front is that they're the crew. Uh, but they're bringing supplies to it, and they're gonna go in there and you know try and see what they can do. That's kind of like how how the Rosinante crew is getting onto Ganymede. It sounds like I'm going fast because I kind of am, but really things don't really start until we get to Ganymede for most of the characters. But that's kind of holding in the crew getting to Ganymede. Like I said, really not a lot of plot to get there. It's mostly just kind of reintroducing the characters, kind of showing where they are now, and kind of reestablishing their relationships you know just general sequel setup the kind of necessary stuff that you have to do at the beginning to reacquaint the readers to the universe and the characters that are returning in it while also introducing new ones yes Pretty um, one last little thing i want to hit hit on at the end of the the holton section here is when they they do land um they are accosted by people who claim to be the uh, port authority essentially but it becomes clear pretty much immediately that this is just some sort of like shakedown situation, and um, Holden basically uh, once again threatens them with violence, and uh, that basically scares them off. And not not to, to beat a dead horse, but this is the moment 
where where Naomi ch- chimes in for the first time that uh, if you haven't been paying attention as a reader, she's cluing you in like, hey, there's something kind of different going on with with Holden this time around. Yeah, and, and I think that that's an important uh, moment to mark uh, because the relationship between Holden and Naomi is is one of the was one of the the key outcomes of the first book and it would it's i think it's it's worth tracking what happens with that relationship uh as we go along yeah and currently at this point in time we're following two major storylines here we have the ganymede storyline which is which is followed with um holden and prax and we have the kind of political um the 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 general war storyline and that's being uh we're following bobby and uh avasarala with um and so, uh, to kind of show what Avicerala has been doing, and I really hope I'm saying that name at least somewhat close. I, if, if not, I'm going to feel like an asshole. But, I, I don't know. It's I, I'm pretty sure she's supposed to be of Indian descent, or at least some, some sort of Indian an- an- ancestry. And I, I don't, I'm not necessarily um, going to claim any um, skill at pronouncing anything with a, um, would, it, would it be Hindi? Uh, it can be. There's a lot of different accent or uh, languages and dialects and all, all that in India. But I think the, we that is the impression that they are trying to give is that she is, you know, a, a woman from India. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Just, I'm, I'm. You know, once again, I apologize. Because they if they, they discuss right. like her dress, her form of dress with a sari, which, I mean, I'm there. It may also be present in other uh, South Asian. Um, countries but i i think that it is usually associated with uh india from what i've uh, from what i've read yeah so yeah once again i apologize if i'm not saying her name correctly it's you know perks of being uh someone who you can't pronounce things good that unless it's just you know dumb stupid america things but um basically her her story at this point is all about the um the war as a whole between mars and the un and kind of her way of doing her own form of politicking to kind of try to push for peace she's someone she's not some sort of warmonger she's trying the biggest thing that we that she's doing in the first chapter with her is she's trying to push a peace talk forward immediately between uh mars and the un because it also she seems to understand and i think at this point they may have gotten the video or if they haven't they will be soon that came from bobby's suit her power armor that kind of shows that it wasn't an actual the military firing on each other thing it was all caused by this monster um so she's trying to push for peace that's kind of her storyline here she doesn't want to let this escalate any further she's all about de-escalation and that's kind of her whole storyline. She's she's also how we get a lot of our information on what's going on with Venus and the proto molecule. And one of the biggest things that we are given with that is how um, the incident that happened on Ganymede with this monster, the exact same time it happened, there was a spike in activity on Venus. So, in some way, this is all connected with the proto molecule on Venus. We don't know how yet. We don't know why, but it's too much of a coincidence to think that the second that this thing on Ganymede happens, activity spikes on on Venus. So there is something going on with the protomolecule. They're noticing it's building structures 
and um, I don't know, just doing general weird things, and they're, they're doing weird things with technology and whatnot that they're trying to kind of like mimic in in their test labs to try and figure out what they're doing, what the proto molecule is doing. And so this is kind of a lot of the more, like I said, the, there's the war storyline and the Ganymede storyline. This is more of the war storyline with, with that. I don't really know what to kind of talk about specifically without just being a little more broad because that is kind of all it is. Is There's a lot of her going behind other people's backs to do things her way um, and having to kind of deal with the situations as they pop up. Meanwhile, um, on Bobby's... Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of political maneuvering. Like, she's in and out of meetings um, with various figures from the UN. And the, she she uh, she's mentioning that essentially that they are pretty uh, gung-ho on wanting there to be a war. And or just, just the idea of just maneuvering to project strength. Um, whereas when she's trying to... You know, I, you you did mention this, but it, it, it's I think it's important to mention that she's she's uh, that's one of her big things that she's even as she's walking away, she's like, oh, these these military guys, they don't understand the the top brass is all men now, so they they want war or you know you know that, that, and I think that's that's um so that it, it's to kind of like show I think like this this sort of distinction between her and and uh the the military structure yeah i think she's a uh i think she's a former smoker by the way oh really yes i I didn't pick that up uh two things um in her first chapter lead me to think that she is a former smoker and these are things that have only happened in that chapter the first one was that in the meeting that she was in she kept uh cracking opening and eating pistachios which shows me a form of oral fixation, which is something that's very common with people who used to smoke. Uh, for a lot of people, it's uh, one of the things that's hard for them when they quit is the kind of oral fixation that they get from smoking a cigarette. So they'll do they'll usually do a lot of things that you know will kind of replicate that that feeling. You know, chew gum, uh, you know, eat eat peanuts, you know, things like that. Um, that's a pretty common thing with people who quit smoking. So that's kind of one thing. The other is that um, when she goes into her office, uh, she explicitly uh, makes it, or the readers are explicitly given a, a comment about how uh, there has never been any smoking in this office. And I don't really know why that would be mentioned to us on top of the very clear things that she's doing with her mouth intentionally. Because her cracking open a pistachio nut and pop- popping it in her mouth three times or however many times it was, is not really important at all. It's not, it doesn't really serve any purpose. I ate a pistachio nut in a meeting, like, woo, wow, cool, good job. But, like, with that kind of context added, it's kind of making me think that it's supposed to paint this idea that she used to be a smoker and she's, you know, she's someone who quit, and I imagine that might be some little character trait that's going to be popping up sometime down the line. I really hope this doesn't build to some sort of silly, oh, I need a cigarette line or something like that i I wouldn't put it i wouldn't put it past them they their their character writing is good in the sense they form good characters they they're the plot is good but there's there were a couple times when i was reading and i I just the the way that the things people would say um and maybe it wasn't as grating in the time but it was it's it's very um 
I guess we would we would describe it as Marvel esque now. It's it's just like the the well that happened kind of tone with some of the things that the way people talk. So I'm I'm hoping that they, they they kind of tighten that up as we go along. But it's overall pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really don't know kind of what else to say about her storyline at this point that we've covered. Um, other than I guess the the the, the implication of what's going to happen with you know Bobby's side, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, other than just you know kind of other minor bits, her, her son died. He was he was killed in or not killed, but well yeah he was killed in the skiing accident. Uh, she has a husband who loves her and she loves him, and he's kind of like one of the bigger rocks of her life which is nice she has a daughter and two grandkids and that's kind of a thing it's just kind of more character context that kind of builds her more than just being this this um bureaucratic force on the un so you know it's just kind of nice character bits it doesn't really do much for the plot but it does a lot for the character so take that for what you will yeah i i wonder if her husband's specialization he's because he's an academic of some kind I wonder if that's going to uh, come to come into play later. Yeah. Uh, but to kind of... I, I just want to wrap up her and Bobby's story pretty quickly because really not a lot has been going on so far and this is kind of building towards a potential summit between the UN and Mars. Um, so Bobby was rescued. Uh, she was interrogated asking, hey, why did you guys fire on the UN? And why, why did you cause this war, basically? Why did you and your men instigate this war what reason did you have to do that you you know why did you cause this major problem for us and she was just like um what are you talking about there was a monster they were we didn't we didn't start anything we were dealing with a monster that had destroyed the um the earth forces and they she's able to get video feed of it because thankfully this this is a plot convenience but I will allow it because it allows the plot to move forward. And it's not the biggest of deals. They kind of... It, it's a little clunky setup about her suit. And now it's like, oh, I have an old suit. And I, I, I like it because it's mine. And because I'm such a big, bulky girl, it's hard for me to find a power suit that fits my, my body type. So I've had this suit for a long time. It's mine. And I really don't want to give it up because of the, the, the hoops I had to jump through to get this one as it is. So I haven't upgraded to the iPhone 15 yet. I'm still using my iPhone 11. It's fine, Apple. Don't update me out of this shit. Let me keep my iPhone 11. That's basically where she's at right now. And because she still has the iPhone 11 and it doesn't have the four cameras with the 18 megapixel whatevers. I don't know iPhones. I've never had one. I don't like them. Um, because her suit is an older model, she has a little more of like, a, I guess, an analog relatively speaking recording system that didn't get fried with the jammer so they're able to pull the video feed from her suit because it's it's 5.1 instead of the new 9.1 stereo dolby that they have now in the new suits i think she says it's like 5.1 something i don't i don't remember but uh, i think i think part of it was like there was a different encryption module and that's cuz she there was that was a that was another uh plot convenience moment when he's like ha huh. Your suit is not work. Your camera didn't capture anything, so you're lying. And then she's like, uh, "Try the other encryption module." And then it was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. Then the engineer's just like, "Duh! I should have known that." <laughs> Silly me. Let's do that right now. And of course, it gives them the video. It's a very, it's a very convenient thing in the plot, if we're being honest here. But it, and it's, I don't have anything against her as a character, but I, I do question some of these decisions. They. Maybe they'll come back, but a lot of these seem to be kind of like 
digressions without any sort of uh, that is that are not necessarily particularly relevatory of the character, nor do they seem to have uh, any relevance to the larger plots. Yeah, I don't think it's like egregiously bad either. It's just I kind of eye rolled it a little bit, like oh, okay, here's here's how we get the plot to move forward. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. it's not the biggest deal. It's maybe a, a small blemish on this book so far, but it's a small small blemish. It's just kind of you know the plot needed this to happen, so it happened. It's it's fine. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so she's she's proven right, and they're like, oh shit, okay. Um, this changes things, and so it kind of creates the situation to where Mars is going to go meet with Earth, uh, with the UN on Earth. Uh, this is something that uh, Avasarala has been kind of had had been kind of planning, and she got off. She got kind of rolling, and this is Mars on on Bobby's end being like, "Yeah, this is what we're doing. We're gonna go meet with them and yada yada, and we're gonna need you there because you were the one. You're the sole survivor of this situation." And the rest of her storyline up to this point is basically just her on the way to Earth. And it's just her dealing with the PTSD of being the sole survivor, watching her entire squad be eliminated by this monster and her having to deal with it and almost dying. And it's, once again, just a lot of character writing. We get a little more information of who Bobby is as a person and kind of how she feels about the military structure and, you know, just kind of her, her place in the world right now. And we don't really have... The only kind of other characters that are interacting with her at this point are... Um, is he an admiral? Admiral, like, Torsen or something like that? Or is he a captain? He wasn't an admiral, was he? I thought he was, like, a like a lieutenant or something like that. He might have been a lieutenant. And he's the guy that interrogated her, and he's kind of an ass. Um, so there's him, and then there's... He's this... one of those exceedingly annoying people that's, like... Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an asshole, but I just have to be. There's someone, you know, that kind of, that kind of guy. He's, he, he does that kind of thing, and it's like, okay, whatever, dude. Yeah, and then we have this, this captain whose name I've also forgotten, and he's a, uh, he's a religious man, and he's not really. That's not really important to why he's there, but it's important to his character, I'm sure. Uh, he's not there in a religious... Um, Captain Martins is his name. Mart- okay, I wasn't sure if it was Martin or Martin something. Uh, but yeah, him being a, a, a religious pastor or cleric or something, I, I don't remember. It's it's you know it's probably important uh, to his character. The, what but... is it called? A chaplain is what, he's, is what he is. Thank you. It's not important to the, to the plot as it stands currently, but he's basically there as a grief counselor for her. And... Um, He's the one that kind of shows her that her PTSD is causing her to have short-term memory loss, acting irrationally, and uh, being uh, you know, quick-tempered, uh, unstable, all of the stuff. So that's kind of Bobby's story at this point. The last, uh, the last we see her as of this moment is uh, they're they're about to be on Earth, and the last thing we know with uh, Avasarella is they have arrived on Earth. So the next chapter, I think our next chapter is a Bobby chapter, and it's going to be her first chapter on Earth. Um, so that's kind of where both of their stories wrap up. We wrap that up really quick, but like, once again, it's just kind of mostly bureau- yeah, bureaucratic stuff, kind of giving us context of the the Cold War now turning into a hot war, what's going on with the proto molecule on Venus, and just kind of building these characters, these new characters that are just that have just been introduced. They're getting, they're getting built up to kind of see where their story goes, and that's kind of where we leave them at this point. And that can allow. I, us- I just wanted to. Uh interject here because i i got i cracked the book open because it was going to bother me otherwise um thorson is a captain okay um 
so yeah that, that kind of we're gonna leave them there for now that's that's their stories at this point in time um i'm enjoying it i'm, I'm really enjoying both the characters i i think they're they're nice additions to this universe and i like kind of what's building on this more political side of the of the um of the story here i i'm a, I'm a sucker for good political writing i know a lot of people this is kind of my go-to example for for what i what i enjoy how i kind of enjoy a little more of a political side to a to a, a fantasy book than others is uh a feast for crows is not very well loved by a lot of people in the ice and fire uh community and i think a lot of reasons why people don't like it is because of the slower pace more political nature of it because it mostly takes place in king's landing and dorne mostly follows cersei lannister and uh uh Arya martell down in dorne and it's mostly about the politics of the aftermath of the war of the five kings and kind of how uh the how king's landing and how the how how the the villains for lack of a better term because cersei is a villain are kind of dealing with this new power structure that has been created from the end of uh storm of swords and it's very political there's a lot of just kind of characters sitting and talking and it's not a, not a lot of action happens in it and i know a lot of people don't much care for it because of that i loved it i was enthralled in it Every time I've read that book, I've enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I, I'm all for that, you know, political theater that happens. It's also why I really enjoy the Star Wars prequels, even though it's not the best writing, if we're being honest, but I don't mind the political stuff. I know you and I have both said, I think even here in in, in this context, how we both enjoy the Phantom Menace and the, the political side of things with it. So Yes, I was the only child that... The, uh, we were the only children that were that were like, yes, when they cut back to the Senate. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this kind of political side of the story so far, I'm I'm really digging it because it kind of it kind of scratches that itch for me on those kind of things that I enjoy. Well, she she's a likable character. I think that buoys it quite a bit. Um, her goals are pretty clear. I think sometimes where where these uh, where books go wrong with these political sequences, these the council meetings, the what have yous, there there are. The goals are murky, um, or kind of in in a very convoluted way. What we have here is a very distinct, um, very uh, clear goal: is prevent a war. You know. Yeah. Like it's. I think that that makes these a lot more legible, a lot more easy to follow, and a lot more uh, readily um, interpretable. I mean, there, that's not to say that you can't do craft a, a narrative where things are more murky but i'm just saying there are sometimes when it's just especially when it's not as well written you're just like what what is what is going on here why why am i reading this this is boring i think when it's they, they do they're doing a really good job of keeping the reader um interested yeah also there's the fun the fun um aspect of of in this universe the the un actually being able to do something to to create peace i think that's that's a that's a fun like power fantasy almost yeah well not for lack of trying to to make war <laughs> well that's true the military command structure is wants something very different but it is nice in theory that some that the un is actually trying to do something constructive for the for peace <laughs> yeah uh so moving over to the ganymede side of things um the aftermath of the of the escalation um, I forgot uh, the cascade, as as uh, Prax calls it. 
um, has been really bad. Um, something that we know is from Prax is that the ecosystem of Ganymede is breaking down really badly. Uh, the plant life is dying. The water is not really being cycled correctly. The colony is basically lost. And it's, it's, it's going to be... It hasn't happened completely, but it is a done deal. Uh, we haven't seen the end of it, but there is no fixing it at this point. Maybe eventually... But as it stands now, the colony, as it as it existed, and Ganymede was a really important colony uh, prior to it was a um, a major um, uh, academic uh, foundation for the the solar academic, system. Academic, agricultural, and medical major hub for all of those things. Yeah, it was basically a scientific paradise for any anyone who is educationally inclined. Uh, people would go there to have their babies because anything that could happen. Uh, any any negative things could could be addressed immediately. That's actually what happened with Prax and his daughter. She has a condition that needs to be monitored daily and take medication for. And that Doctor Strickland was the doctor doing that for her. So it is basically just this major um, socioeconomic and academic hub for the solar system, and it has had a cascade effect from this war that has ostensibly ruined it. And now we're at a sitting, seeing it at a point to where uh, society has basically broken. And we are having people starving. They're scrounging for food. Um, they're, they're, you know, people have been killed in the streets. Um, places have been burned. There have been riots. And even the um, relief that has been set in place has not really been help, helping everybody. Because, you know, it, it's a supply and demand thing. And the demand is much higher than the supply. And what makes it even worse is, and this is something that Holden and the crew learn as they're coming in on uh, into Ganymede with their uh, under the disguise of them being a relief ship, is that there are. I think it. I think it ended up. I think the number we were given was about half a million kilo kilo. Was it kilotons? Something like that. I don't know. I, I, I. But I know where you're going with this. Half a million very large units of weight uh, of food leaving the system because the it is also because it is a um agricultural hub a lot of um export or uh, yeah there's a lot of exports on ganymede and this war uh the the um the the fighting that broke out the multiple days of fighting had caused a major um stalling of the export the the economy basically so now all of these ships are trying to catch up because uh, any more days lost is profit lost and now you have all of these ships that are filled to the brim with food leaving the colony because they have to go settle their their bill with their uh their customers because the corporation needs to get their bottom line so you have all of this food leaving the colony because corporations want their money as opposed to feeding the people that are now starving on it and it's just you know it's 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 late stage capitalism at its finest here you know it's very uh british empire actually also it, re it reminds me uh specifically of a couple of incidents um uh re with uh, regard to the east india company i was about to uh, say and uh it also reminds me of during the famine in ireland that there were still quotas of exported uh agricultural products that were still being extracted from ireland despite the fact that they had the the mass, uh, you know, the, the the potato crop failures, among other things. Um, so that I don't know. I think that that's that's something of a um, 
if that wasn't a commentary on that necessarily it was something that was inspired by that i would i feel yeah and sanctimonious holden pokes his head out to kind of just be uh offended for us at this just you know gross just apathy towards the towards a crisis by these corporations and miller holden is also poking his head out wanting to shoot everybody involved with it but yeah in the meantime praxis he's still looking for his daughter he's not taking care of himself at all he's he's honestly he almost kills himself just from exhaustion starvation you know all of the uh, basically um uh what's what's it called um when you when you die it's uh, almost kind of exposure at some point as well um because the the systems are failing and ganymede is basically an ice rock um and he's he's doing everything he can to find his daughter he's trying he tries to like get this hacker to to find the security camera system to follow his daughter and the only thing he gets is he sees the image of them taking her out of the thing because he doesn't have any chicken to give the hacker that's all the hacker will do for him so he has to basically just kind of give up that that lead at that point but it's it's still more than nothing he knows that his daughter was taken by strickland and some woman um and it's out, it's around here where he finally meets up with Holden and the crew. Holden and the crew they delivered their food, and um, they're all you know upset about what's going on here and whatnot. And they end up uh, stopping a riot from getting worse because one of the uh, one of the ships is about to leave that has all of this food, and it turns out that this ship is a um, a Mal Kwiatkowski uh, ship. Uh, if you don't remember from Leviathan Wakes, Mal. Eh. Malkowski is the corporation that is co-founded by Julie Mal's father, uh, Jules Mal, and uh, they were funding a lot of Protogen. And uh, so, quick side note: there is a, a point with uh, Avicerala's storyline where she meets with uh, Jules Mal, and she's basically like, "Hey, I know you 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 turned you gave us information that that busted a lot of dudes with Protogen after the incident that happened with Aerostation, but." If you got anything you need to, you, if there's anything you didn't tell us uh, in the hearings, I'm not coming at you. I'm not coming after you. I'm not trying to put you in legal trouble. I'm just trying to fix this situation. I want, I want this to work out for everybody. I'm not going to send any legal trouble towards you. I just want anything that will help. She's like, anything you can tell me that you didn't say in the hearing, let me know. And he's just like, nah, I'm good. I told you everything I need to know. Bye. Bye. And there's an interesting little thing that happens. I forgot about this until just now. Where she asks him if he's spoken to Julie at all. And he's like, no, she's dead. And she's like, well, I mean, there's some things going on on Venus. And we know that, you know, he, he was like, she was on Aerostation. And, and uh, Officer Law was like, no, she was Aerostation. And there's a, there's a bit of an implication there suggesting that Julie might have been contacting her parents in the time since. And I'm really curious to see how that plays out. But yeah, right, because she detects that he his, because he kind of gets offended at it. He's like, she died, and then, you know he's he. But she know she notices when he's doing that that she, she can tell it's a little bit um, performative. So I think that's something to be that we need to watch. Yeah. So that's you know Julie's father is going to be a player in this story. 
Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of guards that are trying to stop this riot of people that are just hungry to try and push through and get to the ship, and they have weapons, and they're going to threaten to murder them. And Holden and Naomi... Holden wants to kill them, and Naomi's like, no, stop being Miller. Uh, talk your way through this. And Naomi, basically... Because Holden's about to kill them still when he's basically just like, hey, you're... Um, you're gonna lose this fight if you don't just leave. This 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 isn't this this ship and this food is not worth dealing with this riot of people. They're gonna get they're gonna get it anyways. You're gonna die for this. It's not worth it. And the guy just tells him to fuck off basically. And Holden's about to kill them, and then Naomi comes and she's just like, "Hey Amos, blow up their ship if they leave orbit." And she's like, "Your move, guys." And then that's what causes them to leave, and the people rush the ship, and so that little food crisis is temporarily solved for those people. And that's how Prax meets up with, with Holden and Naomi. And he recognizes uh, Holden, and he's just like, hey, you're Jim Holden. I need you to help me. And he has a beard now. That's how you know he's edgy. Yeah, well, that's the, yeah. the beard is supposed to disguise him, and it does, like, no good at all. Because another another thing that happens with Avicerala is she's shown this, this um, security footage from Ganymede, and the, her assistant's like, you recognize this person? She's looking, and she's like... Is that really, like, what the hell is Jim Holden doing on Ganymede? It like, not not even, like, it, it doesn't work in the slightest. I love how, like, nobody is fooled by it. And there's a great line <laughs> where he's, where, where, um, Prax is just like, you're Jim Holden, and, and Holden's like, it's the beard, isn't it? <laughs> like, it? It didn't work at all. Uh, so, they're being monitored. Uh, they're being tailed and monitored by Avicerala and the UN, and thankfully according to her thankfully they haven't they're just they're just doing surveillance and just trying to keep tabs on them so uh they're they're being watched the the crew is and they're they're having tabs kept on them they're not as stealthy as they thought they were but now prax has met up with them he's begging them for help and they're going to help him find his daughter uh the first way of which is by they have these like little cans of i guess processed preserved chicken and they they go to the hacker and they're like hey we have your chicken show him the the use the the surveillance system to follow them like he like he wanted you to do and let's see where his daughter went and the hacker is trying to extort them out of more chicken and we have this bit of of character uh some insight to amos where he just starts beating the shit out of the dude with a uh, a can of chicken and i'm just i'm flashing back to the end of uh, once upon a time in hollywood where brad pitt just like nails um what's his name tex um text well i don't know and uh like just like beans him right in the face with uh uh no 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 no. he sticks the dog on him he beans uh the the woman in the face with the can of dog food so i'm, I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking of something kind of like that he's just beating the shit out of this kid with a with a can of chicken and uh that that was a fun little sight but there's there's something there with Amos. I, I i want to throw out here that he's he it's the reason he's doing this is because the kid is trying to shake them down for more um, than than what was originally promised, and uh, I think what what really um, rubs Amos the wrong way, or at least what he's saying, is that it's he's he's trying to take advantage of uh, Prax's uh, you know desperation to find his daughter. Yeah. So I'm thinking that there is something in Amos's past uh, about like a daughter or a child that um, he was not able to. He, like he lost in some facet or another that is kind of striking a chord here that's my that's the very on the nose kind of thing but you know that, that, if that's true then that's fine 
Yeah, I mean, either way, even even if it's just it just rubs him the wrong way, I think it is very revelatory for his character, and uh, uh, I th- I think kind of I could see you know people that that being one of the things that people you know when they're building their the case of who the fan favorite guy is, those are the kind of moments that are gonna win people over uh, that are reading or watching TV. Yeah. So they get they get what they need. They 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 follow them with the cameras all the way to the tunnel system that leads to where they ended up taking May in the prologue, and now they're going to set out and go f- try to find her in there. But they have to go to the ship first to prepare because they're expecting a, potentially a firefight. So you know they we get more character development with all the characters and how Prax is um, getting more growth and you know learning more about his desperation as a father. They're all set to go. It's it's Holden, Prax, and and uh, Amos. They're gonna go. They're all you know loaded for bear and ready to go kick some ass. And they're gonna go. And Naomi's gonna stay with them on the comms and be their 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 hacker, basically. They're 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 their guy in the chair, if you will. And as they're heading to the tunnel, they encounter some uh, Martian Marines. And I, I loved this. This scene was fantastic. This was like classic Holden, straight up. Uh. Prax is wanting to kill them. He's like, we can take them. There's only six. We can do it. But there's a seventh person that uh, they've clocked as well. But Holden doesn't think he's with the Marines. And Holden goes to talk to the Marine because he's like, let's 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 handle this with words. And I, I love this. This is so great. He's like, hey, uh, we're getting through there. And the Marine's like, no, you're not. <laughs> it looks like you're with the relief system. We'll, you, we'll escort you back. And he's just like, no, no, no. Um. I'm James Holden with the OPA, and this guy's daughter was kidnapped along with 15 other children. We're going down there to try and find them. It looks like you guys got left behind by your unit, yeah? Um, how about you come and help us, and we'll give you a lift off of Ganymede? How's that sound? And the, the Martian dude's just like, Guess what, crew? We've got a new contract. Let's work with these guys. We're getting off the colony. Woo! That was, that was a nice moment, and... Um... It is kind of a return to the traditional form of of Holden, and it makes me wonder if there's it's kind of interesting like this this change in behavior. I, it makes me wonder if he because in this moment he sees somebody else kind of maybe opting for the more or wanting to opt for the more violent measure that he kind of pull instinctively pulls back and is like no let me handle it this other way. You know, the, the way he, he would have, you know, in 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 uh, Leviathan Wakes. Yeah. So we got we got a crew building here. And that's that's really kind of where where we end with Holden and Prax as well. Uh, Prax, rather. Uh, they're about to they're at the door about to head in. And that's that's where we're leaving them, and that's where we're leaving everything for this. That's that's our first part here, kind of covered a lot of setup, you know, as the start of a book normally goes, uh, but a lot of really good setup. I, I love it. You know, it's the 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 great thing about a good sequel is there's always going to be setup because you need to reestablish the world to the returning readers, or if for some weird reason you're starting on book two, uh, enough information to have a new reader be able to kind of fit in more or less. And so that's that's always going to be a given. So there's always going to be some time taking for setup. That's just reintroducing you to um, the world and all that fun stuff. But 
it's fine. Like, you know, it's 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 good. And we, we've gotten past that setup phase. We're now into where the story is going to start really kind of kicking into gear. And we're going to finally get the, um, the plot progressing forward. And it, it's great. I'm really enjoying it so far. Yeah, it's really good so far. I've, I've enjoyed it. Um, there's some little some things that I no, I noticed that I was gonna run by you because I, I I don't know if if you noticed them. Uh, wh when did this book come out originally? It was 2013, right? That would have been my guess. Yeah. When did Le Leviathan Waste was 2011, right? I would have guessed 2012. I I can look it up here. I'm gonna look it up. Okay. Uh, Leviathan Wakes was 2011 and Caliban's War was 2012. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. Because I noticed um, there were some things in this book that I think were drawn from, like, news stories of the time. Um, you know, like like the idea, like, in, in the Avasarala section, they mentioned something like, the ongoing situation in Afghanistan, um, which I think was intended to be a cutesy, um, like, oh, Afghanistan always having trouble, you know, that kind of... I think they, they, they meant it to be funny, but it, that, that was a little weird, I, I thought. But they, they I, think, I think that was, that was kind of one of their rip from the headlines. They also referred to the OP at one point as being, quote, the Hezbollah of the vacuum. Um, I think that was like, I think there was like some sort of situation going on uh, with that at the time. Um, and then another thing that I noticed that, that stuck out to me as being very of that moment was uh, there was more references to marijuana this time around in the book, which I did not catch in the first book. And I may, it made me wonder if it is a reference to the then contemporary legalization of marijuana in Colorado and, and uh, Washington. Was that back in 2012? I think so. Wow. I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that's that was then. Time flies, huh? Yeah. All right. <laughs> so I I I think it was just there was the, it just the, a lot of portions of this novel very struck me as very um, Obama era and like those kind of things. So I it, that's that's kind of what I was thinking is that there's the it was kind of a I don't want to say ripped from the headlines, but very, uh, you know, like a lot of sci-fi sci was in part a commentary on its time. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's art. Uh, good art does tend to have a little bit of uh, topical um, writing and it's in the subtext. But yeah, I mean, on the whole, enjoyed it. Um, looking forward to seeing what uh, what's up next. Yeah, I, I've really enjoyed this book. It's it's real good so far. Uh, this is gonna it's a real shocker coming from me of all people. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. I figured we'd be a little rusty, you know, because we haven't done this since last year. <laughs> yep. Before we go, I just want to I just want to throw a little quick um uh, update for anybody who cares. I threw in a little a little soundbite in the in the middle of our, our 2023 year in review uh, when it was relevant making a comment saying that at the time of editing 
uh, that last video, which I think came out on like the 27th of December, uh, I had finished um, Xenos, and I, I was wanting to try and finish Xenos and or Mistborn before the end of the year so that I would finish all of my 2023 books um, in 2023. And granted, I planned it this way, but all the same, came down to the wire, I finished, I finished Mistborn on December 31st. I did it. Wow. Woo! Just under the wire. Yeah. Well, should we expect potentially a uh, a dusty review of that one? I would like to get a Sad Boys book review of Elantris, uh, The Eye of the World, Xenos, and uh, Mistborn out sooner rather than later. Um... I would like to say in January, but I don't want to put myself on a deadline here and miss it. Uh, so I'm just going to say, ideally, before I do another, before I finish another book, um, my wife has uh, twisted my arm here, and I have started reading the uh, novella collection uh, for the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Moss. The, the book's called uh, The Assassin's Blade. And I'm really looking forward to doing a Sad Boys book review of it because I have uh, some choice words to say about it so far. Because um, <laughs> to give a little a little sneak peek of it, I've read the first three short stories out of the five that are in it. And uh, the first two were garbage. That's, that's <laughs> all I'll say on that. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to doing a, a Sad Boys book review on, on that book when I finish it. I still have to read the, the fourth and fifth one. But... Um, I want to get those other ones from my 2023 extracurricular books uh, done and dusted before I do that. So hopefully I will find the motivation to do that soon. It just kind of it, it comes down to me sitting down and doing it more than anything else. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, happy new year. Keep an eye out. Oh, yeah. Happy new year, everyone. Yeah. Uh, welcome to season two of the Sad Boys Book Club uh, at, here at the end here at the end of the episode. Welcome to the season two. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for this year. I, I know you and I have already talked about uh, some books that we are absolutely going to do, some themed around specific months of the year. Um, so, yeah, I'm really excited for this year, and I really could not think of a better way to start this year than taking my favorite book that we covered last year, and doing it sequel because I am anything if not predictable. Well, I think that'll wrap us up. Uh, keep an eye out for those uh, those sad boys book reviews, and uh, we will catch you next time. Yep. Take care.